Welcome to Cyberbytes, the podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cooper, co-founder of Esperon Search. Today's guest, we have Wasim Khalid, CEO and co-founder of Blackbird.ai. Wasim is on a mission with his AI-driven risk and narrative intelligence platform, which is dedicated to leading the global fight against disinformation. This episode is insane. How are you, mate? I'm great. I'm great. Good to be here. Looking well, man. How was uh, Black Cat for you? I know we missed each other, but how was it? Black Hat was very enlightening. It was great to talk to a lot of CISOs from different organizations and, and talk about use cases and found a lot of great uh, great approaches for helping security professionals understanding uh, you know, narrative attacks, which is what Blackbird really uh, uh, delves into. Yeah, love that. Love that. Well, Wasim, basically, with all my guests, I like to take it right back to, to where it all began and sort of how you got into the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, cybersecurity and security has always been a, a somewhat on the roadmap sector for Blackbird, where we really started to understand this kind of exit up in the information space, uh, really narrative manipulation and narrative attacks. So, Things that are occurring in the information ecosystem, you know, social media, dark web, etc., that that shape human perception and drive behavior that can cause outsized harm in, in a wide variety of industries. Right? Uh, of course, this came to light um, during you know the elections at first, um, but what we started noticing was that there were all forms of threat actors that were running all kinds of different campaigns to manipulate how people act both online and then in the real world, right? And this could be in the form of boycotts, violence, physical attacks and and, and the like. And everything from climate change to societal cohesion to of course public health as we found out later with COVID are all susceptible to manipulation through these these information attacks. Uh, And so we set out to build technology that could detect uh, and help organizations mitigate against narrative attacks that cause such large financial, organizational, uh, reputational, and societal harm. Mm. When did this idea come about then? How long have you been on this? Sure. So my co-founder, uh, Nashad Uzaman, and I uh, you know, have been thinking about this problem since about 2015, but we officially launched uh, the company in, in 2017 uh, through an incubator in, in, in Silicon Valley. And uh, you know, we, we have not lo- looked back since... Uh, very mission-driven company. It's a, it's a very uh, kind of personal uh, approach to us of driving more trust, safety, and integrity across the information ecosystem because it just impacts so many lives and so many different uh, disciplines mm-hmm. and industries. Prior to, to founding with your co-founder, so what was your your background before that? So you're, you're, you've had a few other businesses, right, and some successful exits. Yeah, so I'm I'm a computer scientist by trade, but you know have started a number of businesses that range from you know licensing uh, to manufacturing to you know building uh, web applications and things of that nature. So yeah, my most recent company was uh, a digital licensing company that took like celebrity brands and launched their products into uh, like retail outlets from you know the Best Buy's, Targets, AT and T's, T Mobile's of the world. Um, and yeah, had an exit there back in 2013 and, uh, you know, was looking for something to do for some time. Frankly, I was looking for something that was more social impact oriented. Right. Um, and, and so was my partner, Nauseous. And, uh, and so, you know, misinformation, disinformation, 
was the the entry point. Uh, and, and of course, we realized soon that the traditional way that people think about misinfo and disinfo is not really just fake news. It is about narrative at large and the risk it presents to organizations. And that was the kind of starting thesis for something that we could go and build technology to quantitatively identify versus mm-hmm. misinformation, disinformation, which is much fuzzier, you know, in terms of um, how to go about uh, mm-hmm. discerning uh, the the qualities needed to understand it. Am I right? So you did you work on this for two years before it came out? Yeah. Yeah, full two years of bootstrapping and, uh, you know, just uh, out of pocket building, you know, all of this infrastructure. Uh, We talked to hundreds of stakeholders uh, in national security, uh, in public safety, in cyber, in in, in PR and comms, trying to get all of the questions that they couldn't get answers to, right, with uh, with, traditional legacy social listening systems and whatnot, which is what people were using and still sometimes use today. Uh, And... It wasn't until 2019 uh, that we landed our first customer, um, and that first customer actually happened to be a, a you know a national security customer mm-hmm. uh, for some pretty critical critical use cases. Uh, it was uh, an international project, a DoD project actually, um, and uh, you know that was our entry into really helping understand you know how do these online groups function. And what we really found was that the ways in which they function are really reminiscent of the ways uh, like terrorist cells and groups function, these factions of, of organizations. Uh, the difference was, however, that the stories that they were trying to tell to recruit people were done online instead of face-to-face and were done in a very decentralized manner, meaning that you know someone else could go grab that particular story or narrative and continue to recruit other people. So it's a very self-perpetuating system. And of course, we've seen that in many different uh, problem sets now over the years, Um, you know, like the rise of QAnon, for example, a decentralized kind of uh, cell of actors that believe in something very uh, specifically enough to go out and and, and do violent events, for example. So, uh, yeah, it's a yeah, crazy, it's quite a, quite a <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The journey. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about the journey then. So specifically, when let's let, actually let's talk a little bit more about Blackbird. Let's go a bit deeper into what you guys are specifically doing around the tech and how you're helping organisations right now. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, when we say that Blackbird um, addresses narrative attacks, what we really mean by that, because narrative has had a traditional definition for some time in the storytelling PR comm space, we think about it a little bit differently. So narrative in the information ecosystem, we think of as any kind of assertion that shapes perception around a person, a place, or a thing. And by thing, it could be a policy uh, or or anything like that, a product. Um, And so you have a narrative, but then what ultimately ends up happening online is that there is a counter narrative to that narrative. And there could be, in fact, dozens or hundreds of counter narratives to that original narrative. And so we're looking at this kind of narrative conflict, narrative warfare, essentially, that occurs around particular topics for different organizations, right? And the fidelity with which we look at these uh, signals. Uh, is quite unique. It's a it's a combination of you know artificial intelligence, so machine learning models, and the network analysis, which is something we combine to understand not only what the narrative is and how fast it's growing, but also how it's spreading 
within the information ecosystem and how that spread essentially contributes to that manipulation of perception. Now, if you layer in things like bot networks uh, and other types of practices in there, that's where you really get that manipulation of the narrative and, and, and the impact that it has on different subgroups and how that can turn into real life harm or uh, financial market harm, you know, your stock prices dropping, things of that nature. So you just imagine the number of different use cases across different industries that something like this uh, can apply to. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about the information ecosystem, like naturally, when you talk about this, I just think Twitter straight away. What other sort of uh, platforms have got quite a large influential swing on on things like this? Because there's you see like um, there's a chap called Andrew Tate that's apparently claimed that he could probably influence an election by just a tweet. Um, So outside of Twitter, what other sort uh, sort of platforms are there? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. So if you think about like uh, you know, there's dark web in general, so mm. that's not necessarily a platform, obviously. We have dark web. You've got, you know, sites like fringe websites where, you know, bad actors tend to gather the four chans and eight chans of the world. Uh, there are actually countless data sources we pull in from quite a nice. few places that, that drive near. Yeah. So then there, of course, there's the traditional news to understand how uh, the whole ecosystem functions, how um, all of the other disparate online sources feed into you know the mainstream cycle. Uh, those are all things you have to look at it holistically across that entire ecosystem. Yeah. Nice. Cool. 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 So 2019, first customer, DOD, obviously 2023 now. I know you had a, a recent, what, Series B, 20 mil, I think mm-hmm. with 10, 11 led that. Um, what was that last Correct. month, two months ago? Time flies. Yeah, about two months yeah, ago. Yeah, it was about two months ago. Um, what 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 has happened over the last five years and in terms of customer adoption and sort of uh, how has it evolved, the, the product? Right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of customers we can't actually name, uh, unfortunately, but like the in terms of product, um, the product has certainly grown by by leaps and bounds. Uh, and what typically happens, much like in national security or cybersecurity, is your you know defensive and detection capabilities really trail offense. And the more new offensive uh, kind of attacks occur, the more you start to develop and expand the product. Well, in the last several years, we have ended up kind of sitting at the nexus of a lot of major problems that have spun up in the world that have become tailwinds for the types of uh, services that we offer and technology that we offer. So you think about you know, things like the, the Russia-Ukraine war and everything that is occurring around that. Uh, when you think about um, the, the types of things that we have seen that have hit Fortune 500s, um, you know, kind of out of the blue based on maybe some choice that they made, some narrative that they put out there that got a massive counter narrative that, that dropped their stock prices and things of that nature. More and more often, these things are hitting organizations. So the biggest thing we've seen is, uh, you know, five years ago, where you know, let's say PR and crisis comms firms used to say that, hey, you know, if you can't remove it off of the internet, like it doesn't really matter if we know it or not, right? That was really the view that they had, the world view that they had. Today, of course, you know, just as an example, we have a a global partnership with the with Weber Shandwick, which is one of the larger PR firms under Interpublic Group, and you know our our products and, and technology have become like a critical component of all crisis management 
uh, you know, utilities that they're running for their organizations today because it's so important to be able to measure these signals. So we've had this kind of explosion from like the chief communications officer and the crisis management organizations that manage these Fortune 500s, particularly publicly traded ones. Uh, on the national security side, there's well, all I can say is there's been a big uptick in demand uh, <laughs> on with, with everything that's been going on in the world, right? Um, just information operations writ large have skyrocketed. And part of that is, you know, the advent of generative AI and large language models that drives a lot of that concern through the intelligence community uh, and, and national security, and of course, Fortune 500 as well. And, you know, so to, to touch upon that, that's the other big uh, flashpoint uh, that's driving demand, because I think everyone now understands that while generative AI is a fantastic tool for all kinds of work and acceleration of uh, uh, of work, but what it also does is it accelerates the work of threat actors that are trying to drive these narrative attacks. They can now, with ease, build fifty or a hundred narratives on a single topic uh, with with uh, opposing viewpoints, and and then you know kind of spam that out through the same network mechanisms they used to have to do manually. But now that content's being written, and it's like back to split A-B testing for which narrative does the most damage, and then they can just run it through a model again. Uh, just a few days ago, very important, you know, uh, in, in kind of cybersecurity category, uh, there was a large language model uh, that's become available on the dark web and Telegram called Fraud GPT that ingests all of the vulnerabilities that organizations are announcing um, in their infrastructure. And then it will generate ways to um, perpetrate a particular attack on those with the hopes that maybe those things haven't been patched yet, right? And so that's just a great example. One example wow. of, uh, of some of the things that people are going to have to watch out for. You basically have a kind of uh, an engine that is creating uh, or rather is producing creative ideas for threat actors to drive. And of course, when you talk about flooding the zone, uh, with more than people can process, uh, you know, large language models uh, are a great way for threat actors to do that. And I would also add that there's a multimodal concern there as well, because now you have images, you have generative audio where people can impersonate a CEO and call their procurement department and ask for a wire to be sent or, you know, uh, take a little clip off of social media for relative call someone up and, and say, I'm, I'm stuck somewhere in Mexico, wire me, you know, a thousand dollars. And that's been happening. There's been a huge mm -hmm. rise of those things. And um, that's only going to continue to get worse. And so again, defensive technologies that can help understand when all of this information is flooding the zone, essentially, or being able to detect when certain pieces of media content are, um, you know, generated are going to become like the mainstay of, you know, every Fortune 500, every national security team, and frankly, when we talk about security and cybersecurity, uh, I think it's going to become very important that security teams adopt uh, these kinds of tools, because there's actually a whole host of other issues in the cybersecurity category that are going to need to be smart uh, and, and high fidelity around these types of problems, right? I can just throw one out there that, that that's starting to spin up now. I mean, it's, it's very important, I think, for the CISO and security teams to understand how the public perceives how they're handling a particular breach, right? And there's, there's just a lot happening in the environment that puts more and more 
uh, I think, due diligence on the CISO and the security team to understand how breaches are being communicated to the general public. And of course, you know, when it comes to public perception measurement, that's that's just something that we, that's our, our, our bread and butter. So it's something that I think CISOs need to add to their toolkit, um, even though it's not traditionally protecting their internal network, but it's certainly getting a better understanding of the external network. And those two networks feed into each other in, in many different touch points today. Yeah, absolutely. Is this a, is this a new category? What, 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 have Gartner given this anything yet? Uh, we are uh, we are working on it, but I believe, yes, <laughs> I believe that what we're doing sits at the nexus of a, a new category for sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, we stay tuned on that. We can. Yeah, can yeah, yeah for sure. Because this isn't threat intelligence. No way. This is <laughs> this is something more. And I, I think you're right. It's um, something that is only just coming to to people's. Oh, we do need to do something about this category. Yeah. Um, so are you actually seeing that as well yourself that people are realizing oh this is a huge problem and we need oh, to, yeah. to think about this yeah we have have had some of the some of the world's largest organizations their CISOs and security teams reaching out directly to us and we started working with some of them and you know that's why you know about I guess about six months ago six seven months ago we we're really starting to fundraise one of the things that we decided is hey let's let's find you know, a world-class cybersecurity investment team, mm. because we've always thought of, you know, the cybersecurity category or adjacent to threat intelligence. We've thought of that is kind of where we fit the most right now. It's certainly not crisis comms and it's certainly not the CMO's office, right? It is threat. It is unadulterated, big, uh, you know, big kind of executive level threats, right? Or nation state level threats. So um, I do think that, the category, whatever it is, is adjacent to a lot of um, buckets that we can attribute to many different stakeholders because they're all actually worried about problems in that information space, in the public perception space, but it's not limited to just one particular stakeholder like the CISO or like the, the CCO. I think there's broad spectrum application on the same platform there. Yeah, nice, nice. You mentioned um, you picked Ten uh, Eleven as your 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 lead VC. Ten Eleven, oh. you know, longtime cybersecurity investor, great team. Uh, you know, obviously our board member. Uh, you know, he was uh, a dark trace. Um, and you know, in addition to that, we've we've recently hired uh, a great chief marketing officer, um, Dan Loudon, uh, and he was formerly the CMO at, at Human uh, White Ops Human. And, uh, you know, part of that is because we've got a great um, you know, story to tell, essentially, on, on how this applies to so many different spaces. But one of the big ones, I think, is going to end up being um, cybersecurity or cybersecurity adjacent, let's mm -hmm. call it. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's something that we need to communicate because uh, one of our, uh, I guess, key goals here is as a startup, we just need to let people know that the the executives and the teams that are dealing with this in the trenches every day that there is a product a platform that deals specifically with this that was purpose built for the type of problem that they haven't really named yet in their head right they don't quite know which bucket to put it in uh and so you know you'll often see like the CMO the CISO the chief risk officer and and all of these guys aren't quite sure where this problem fits well well the fact is it kind of sits 
uh, adjacent to in, in, in the nexus of all of them. And they all actually need to be thinking about these problems and they can all do their job better if they have the types of measurements and uh, kind of insights that, that frankly, um, you know, Blackbird and our platform can provide. And that's just Absolutely. what we're what, what are you doing with the, the 20 mil Series B? What, what's the, the plan for that? Yeah, um, a big part of it, and of course, we're always scaling our technology and innovating, uh, but uh, a big part of it really is is building out the the sales and marketing team. You know, so far we've we've been almost all R and D and engineering uh, through our Series A. Just a couple of handful of salespeople, mostly. Uh, it's been inbound to us, so we were fortunate uh, to have that kind of uh, that inbound demand. But now we're actually starting to you know put in a, a mature demand gen uh, outfit and and expand the sales org and, and things of that nature because you know we just want to make sure as many people are getting value from our platform as possible. But, uh, you know, but a decent chunk will also go into certain types of R&D in the, in the generative AI and LLM space so that we've had, we've had some, some really interesting advances there that I think would be really interesting for the next phase of our growth, you know, down the road. Absolutely. You've got one of the most diverse teams I've ever seen. Um, when you're looking for, for, for talent, what, what skills, attributes do you look for for, for anyone that might be interested in uh, joining you guys? Yeah, I think one of the things that Blackbird is is most proud of, that I'm the most proud of, is is that team, the group of actual humans that we've brought together are pretty stellar, uh, both from a, a personal perspective, just people you want to be around all the time, uh, but really that are all very mission-driven. So we do look for people that are very mission-driven, that they, they have some skin in the game on why they want to work on this problem. Usually it's something that's that, that, that has been keeping them up at night or that has happened to them personally. There's this something that's driving them to, to want to work in this space. And it's also people who have had a couple of diverse experiences. We've got data scientists that were in, in public health. We've got, you know, former national security that's working on strategy. Um, it, it's, you know, people that are, have had experience in, in kind of psychology and behavioral psychology, but are now doing you know, product design. It's just that, that kind of, uh, intersection of of multiple experiences or people who have lived through a couple of careers in their lifetime and now have that to bring to bear. It's important because disinformation, misinformation, narrative attacks, it's not really a, it's not just a technology problem. It is a societal issue. It is a global issue. And so the more perspective you can bring to bear on defining the problem and then and mating it with solutions, uh, I think that makes us stronger as a team and it makes the product uh, and the solution stronger for our clients. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fair, we spoke and uh, you mentioned a word I've never heard, a distributed denial trust attack. Hmm. What's what's that? Yeah. Uh, so this is something that, uh, you know, it's a term that, that we've come up with, um, you know, in the company to kind of create an analogous, uh, an analogous approach to obviously a, a distributed uh, denial of service yes. attack, mm. right? But um, you know, as we as we really sought to define what we saw as a cyber attack on human perception, we we kind of realized that you need a new framework and, and lexicon, and so this is one of these things. So um, you know, this term is really designed to create a little bit of clarity on how narrative conflict in the information ecosystem today behaves, and so. 
the term distributed denial of trust or a DDoT attack, um, we think of this as a, a sophisticated, malicious manipulation of digital discourse that really seeks to undermine the integrity of information exchange and understanding. You know, another way to think about this is this narrative attack that degrades public trust in conversational topics and is designed to exacerbate social division or fragmentation or polarization around a particular topic. So um, you know, if we want to dig into that a little bit further, it, it's really um, it represents this type of attack represents a multifaceted information warfare technique that's designed to disrupt the normal functioning of online communities and dialogue. Right. So it's modeled after a DDoS attack because a DDoS attack operates by flooding target areas with, you know, contradictory or, you know, uh, spamming of content. This is more about contradictory or inflammatory content. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and so that content, in effect, reduces the amount of trust around that topic area. And that's why it's called, a, you know, essentially a distributed denial of trust attack. Right. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so that's yeah. That's that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I loved it when you said that. To be honest, it was. Uh, I just love hearing new, new, uh, new terminology and new, new things. So yeah, it was great, and I wanted to to get that out to the audience. So I appreciate so, it. Yeah. What well, what's uh what's next for Blackbird? What where are we taking this? What what's the future hold? Right now, it's really just about awareness and growth. Uh, you know, getting to as many of the Fortune 500s, Global 1000s as possible. Um, being able to bring trust, safety, and integrity uh, to the information ecosystem, again, is our mission. And, you know, in the way to do that at, at the largest level is to go as far upstream as possible with organizations. And frankly, one of the things that we really want to be doing in the coming years is also plugging into not just analysts uh, and, and teams, but into technology systems that can help, uh, you know, have two-way communication between where there is risk and, and and decisions that are made by by various systems you know um you know so an api versus just a dashboard i think is another big uh, approach that we're doing right now but um, i think the key thing is how do we get the product to as many people as possible to reduce their pain uh because it's it's painful to try to understand this with low speed low resolution uh groups of people so how do we make their lives easier and, and make it easier to make strategic decisions that can save reputation, time, money, lives. Uh, you know, that's that's what it's about right now for us. Awesome. Well, Sim, I wish you all the best of success with Blackbird, my man, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, please like and share with your friends and colleagues as this is really important for the show's reach. If you'd like to be our next guest or are interested in Aspiron Search's staffing solutions, please get in touch directly with me or reach out to us via our website www.aspironsearch.com.